What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Good Stuff on our podcast. And once again, I'm Josh Shemoff. As always, welcome by the one and only man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, Angel Ortega. There is a lot of stuff we need to talk about this week. UC Austin to go over UC Vegas 83, as well as a bunch of news. As always, we are brought to you by two fantastic sponsors of the show, Rogue Energy and Elixir. RogueEnergy.com, code sound off at checkout. For 10% off, Elixir.com, exact same thing. Code sound off. Complete opposite uh, ro- uh, substances. We're gonna, they're going to get you very uh, very pumped up to go get throughout your day. You know, I typically use them before I go to the gym. Elixir, though, I use them to calm down at the end of the night, get myself really high with their Delta 8, 9, and 10 products. But regardless, it's code sound off for both of those websites, both of those sponsors. Once again, Rogue Energy and Elixir. Angel, last Saturday night for the Moody Center in Austin, Texas, uh, I mean, one of the greatest USC fight night cards of all time. I feel very comfortable saying that. Um, just banger after banger after banger after banger. In the main event, though, it was Armand Sharukian getting the job done in, in around a minute, taking out Benil Dariush by knockout. For, for Armand Sharukian, right? I mean, this was the statement win that he needed. If he was going to go out there and show that he was that guy, pal, and show his level in the division, he needed to go out there and make a statement. That's exactly what he did here. And also did it at a time whenever, I mean, he nearly fought Bobby Green during fight week. I mean, he seems like he's raising his uh, his level of interest in a lot of fans' eyes. He's becoming a bigger name. What did you think about his win uh, on Saturday and also kind of his, uh, his interesting fight week, to put it mildly? Man, uh... He's, he's definitely getting himself out there, right? Uh, he's doing it right. Uh, to an extent, I'd say, right? Uh, I mean, I'm talking fight-wise. You know, he performed the way you want a, want a young fighter, especially one who's now ranked this high. I, I think that Ricky should be up by now. I actually haven't checked. I actually tried to check earlier in the day, and they hadn't updated yet. And they, they still haven't, Josh. I, I just went on here, and they're still not updated while we're doing this live. So mm-hmm. uh, that's a bit disappointing. But regardless, um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I, I predicted it, you know. Like, I, I feel pretty good about this one. I didn't mm-hmm. expect it to go down like that, though. That was a <laughs> lot more epic than what I thought. I mean, I, I thought it was to be back and forth. I thought it was gonna potentially go to distance. I thought there was gonna be a lot of scrambles. Uh, but the way he finished it, man, that's that. That was it, right? That's that's the way you had to do it. The only thing, though, for him is I, I don't think he's asking for this title shot. I think he's gonna need at least. One more at this time. Um, I think the good thing, though, he will be in the mix. At least he'll be in the mix, at least with those names of Islam, Charles, uh, Charles Oliveira, Justin Gaethje, Justin Poirier. And I think he is now in those he, – he will be involved with those names now, uh, no matter which, which I think is great, especially for a guy who just turned 27. Um, has such a – I always bring this up, man. Like hopefully a 10-plus year career ahead of him. And – uh Fuck, dude, and he's and he's still. I, I I believe he's still not even a finished product, so he's still gonna get better. And if he's this good now, I mean, what's gonna happen down the line, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly, dude. Um, he's a guy that I don't think he'll get a title shot next. Now, I could, I could, you know, maybe. I mean, weird thing, weirder things have happened, right? I mean, there's a lot worse. Thing. I mean, Colby Covington's fighting for a title in like a week, dude. I mean, what are, yeah. what, are we, what are we doing here? I mean, yeah, yeah. Through, <laughs> you're not you wrong. Know, you could do a lot worse than Armand Sarukin. At the same time, he just got this win at a at a time where the division's pretty pretty. It's sad. all good, I mean, Josh. Gaethje has a as a claim. Oliveira has a claim. <laughs> what are you going to say? I say it's all good because proper twelve is here. <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine they give Connor a title shot? 
Well, that's, I mean, Connor's too busy apparently running for the president of Ireland to fucking uh, come back to fighting. Really? So. That's cool. I don't, I don't know if, if that's confirmed, but he's been teasing it online and is, uh, you know, somebody who knows nothing about the, the political state of Ireland. Um, they have a lot going on. Yeah, I, I know, I know that we're not going to get into it. But, but yeah. I do know that uh, he's called for like you know stuff like banning immigrants if they break the law once, which is hilarious when you when you look at Conor McGregor's thing, his 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 rap sheet. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> that's the only thing I have to add about it. But so um, he was training with Brendan Lockbane though earlier this week or this past week. I don't know if you saw that training footage or sparring. Actually, it was kind of like light sparring footage. I did I did see that. I don't think he'll end up running for president of Ireland. But I mean, dude, weirder things have happened. I mean, I. <laughs> Hey. I mean, I, I really, I, the guy, hey, the guy, Tito, Tito Ortiz ran for mayor. Connor could definitely run for some sort of political position, right? Well, and, and I, I hate to be the guy that, that brings this up too, but you know, and even, and we're used to it by now because it's been so long, but the guy who's, I mean, Trump was president and before, his job before that was deciding whether Meatloaf or Chael Sonnen was more equipped to run a fake company. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> So, so we're weird, weird shit in 2024. So maybe, maybe call him proper 12. He will come back and he'll get a, he'll get a title shot or become president of Ireland. Maybe we'll see. Um, but yeah, Armand's rookie, dude. Uh, big times for the division. Big times for the division. I don't think we'll get a title shot. Could I, could I see it? You know, maybe if like scheduling difficulties or maybe they have like, oh, you know, this would be a big fight for Abu Dhabi or something. I could see him maybe finding himself in one of those situations, you know, but more than likely no. Um, he'll still need one big one, and I'm gonna throw this one out there, Angel. I don't know how you feel about it. Dustin Poirier at UC 300. What do you think? I'm, I'm DTF, man. I, I'm down for any of those names, honestly. I think that's the one, th- the one good thing about uh, the, the current like rankings and kind of the people that are in those positions. I don't think any of those matchups are not appealing to me. You know what I mean? I think they all interest me in some capacity. Um. Whether it's Dustin, whether it's Justin, whether it's Charles or Islam, uh, I'll be there. You know, I, I want to see this kid's whole career until he retires. I, I do think he's a special talent. Uh, mm-hmm. The other big thing that he has kind of going against him right now, though, Josh, he only has one win over currently ranked lightweight. So uh, I believe everybody else has in like around him as upwards of uh, three or four. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously that kind of is is another thing, but hey, like you said, the UC does what the UC wants. So who the fuck am I? At? Who the fuck am I? At? Who, who the fuck am I? Yeah, who the fuck are we, dude? I mean, <laughs> but anyways, I mean, struggled a little bit there. I got it at the. No, you're good. But like, I mean, who the fuck even knows? I mean, the reality is that uh, yeah, he's he's gonna need another big one. I tried to pull up the UC rankings right now just to get an idea, but even the UC rankings aren't working for me. So, um, See, isn't it weird? Weird, they fucked up their side, man. Uh, but regardless. Do you see? Because it says last updated today. Yeah, so they just they just fucked it up, basically. But yeah, Armand needs another big name. Like I said, I think Poirier, dude. I think Poirier, UC 300, maybe even winner gets a title shot. Because Dustin said that he still still wants one more. You know, he still wants big fights. That'd be a big fight, but maybe he wouldn't take it unless there's the, a title shot potentially on the line, you know. And shit, if he could beat Armand, I, I wouldn't have any issue with giving him one, but... Yeah, I mean, division division's in a weird spot right now. Um, Islam even wants to fight, but apparently the UC is keeping him on ice. So I think it's because they want to set him up for a pay per view, like if they can get him for three hundred. But I don't know. I don't know if that'll be around Ramadan or not. I think I actually saw someone actually break this down like fully of like 
I don't know if you've seen this, Josh. There was like, I don't know if it was a Twitter thread or a YouTube video, but they crossed out all the people who wouldn't be available and factors that could play into them not being at UFC 300. Uh, mm. I wish I could find that and send it to you. I'm sad I never saved it. If I do come across it again, then I will, but it was very interesting. I'll put it like that. It really made it seem like, what are they, what the fuck are they going to do? Like, it didn't seem like there was a lot of choices, you know? Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, they are in kind of a weird spot, and that's something that even guys like, you know, Max Holloway offered. He's like, you know, they don't really, they don't have a whole lot of guys for UFC 300, so I'll, I'll fight UFC 300, you know? Um, He'll fight someone. He will. I mean, the reality is that they have a lot of um, people who have already pitched themselves for UFC 300, too. So, I mean, for I mean, we'll talk about her in a couple of minutes. Misha Tate, she just pitched a Holly Holm rematch, you know? Um, Clay Guida said he once on it. I mean, Holloway already said McGregor, obviously Prophet 12, you know, if he's not, you know, running a campaign, he'll, he might be on it, you know? So, um, yeah, dude, fun times, but I, I do want to go ahead and move one down because I mean, <laughs> I guess I don't really know what to say about this one. Uh, Jalen Turner nearly murders Bobby Green in the co-main event. Um, this looked like one of those fights that you see on live leak. Um, if you catch my drift, <laughs> Jesus, uh, Josh. <laughs> just, I mean, Bobby, how many unconscious punches did he take? Like what? Like 12 or something? I mean, one too many. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> one too many, you know, um, Armand Zerouki and one of this fight to go on for five more minutes, but I think we got our fill, you know, uh, <laughs> that was a bit weird. Did you work a little bit, uh, uncomfortable when you said that? I, I, I usually don't, <laughs> I don't feel like I usually I feel like it takes a lot for me to get uncomfortable and yeah. You know I felt, what? I, I, I felt some type of, I don't know why, I felt some type of way, I wasn't upset, but there was, yeah. like I'm saying, there was some discomfort in me, I don't know what it was, I just, I was like, okay, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. something something didn't sit right with me, I don't know what it was. No, fuck that, Angel, I mean, I've been very upfront about the fact, since our Monster Urkian's first UFC fight, I've been hyping him up, but now, like, he pulled that shit with Bobby Green, and I'm like, you're like, fuck, dude, been walking down east, he's the future, bro, I don't <laughs> I'm just hitching my wagon to a new horse, you know? Like, <laughs> Damn, dude, look at you just jumping around. Fuck, dude. Uh, I'm sure you're popular. <laughs> yeah, I was popular in college. Um, but yeah, dude, uh, fucking... <laughs> our monster, dude. Yeah, I mean, he's an interesting guy. Hell of a fighter. Does not seem to be like... I don't even know why, why he's beefing with Bobby Green either, so... I think it was just um, like a... It would just happen to be there. It was 10. You know, the tensions are high. People are cutting weight. Stressful situation, you know, boards get exchanged, they're in the same division, both guys are ranked. Uh, I don't know, I think it was just a combination of a, a lot of things, you know, if I have to, you know, kind of deduce it or, you know, break it down a little bit for, for us there. But even yeah. then, you're not, you're not wrong, odd, because, you know, they, they weren't competing against each other. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is very odd, but I mean, in, just to kind of move on to the coming event, I mean, in, in yeah, it was very hard to watch Bobby Green getting just bludgeoned uh, out there. And, he, you know, he's a guy who took this fight. I thought, you know, James Turner coming in at short notice, he needed the win. Good for him. It was just – it sucked to see Bobby Green take that much damage, especially considering he's 37. I mean, he just seemed to be getting back into it, man, maybe maybe making a run for the top 10. So that that, that really did suck to see. Um but yeah, I mean, in terms of his, in terms of Jalen Turner, he got the win that he needed. What did you think about his actual performance on Saturday? Good man. I mean, for coming on a short notice, what do you weigh in? Like 180 pounds before he started cutting weight or something like that when he got the call. Yep, 180. Uh, 
Yeah, no, I mean, credit to him, man. I didn't think it would go well for him just because Bobby Green was seeming, uh, seemingly, it seemed as he was having this kind of research in his career, kind of this moment. And on top of that, you know, he had this guy coming on short notice, you know, coming off some losses, but still being very competitive. It just didn't seem like it was set up for Jalen Turner to necessarily succeed. And like I said, Bobby Green had a lot of good things going on that made it seem like, okay, maybe he could continue this and take out another young guy in the process and continue this hype train. Uh, but he ended up falling short, man. I mean, that finish was – dude, I've never seen someone – did he lose his equilibrium? It had to have been because when he went back like that, I was like, what? I've never like I've never seen a guy in the UC kind of do that kind of movement like that outside of a – our boy Shane Burgos, which was a little mm-hmm. different when it was against Edson Barbosa, if you recall that fight, where he had like the delayed reaction. That one was very weird, a little scary, but this one was uh like, oh shit, he's he's going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, dude. Um, definitely, definitely hard to watch to put it, to put it lightly. Um, you mentioned the Shane Burgos. I thought the same thing, dude. Um, on Saturday night watching it, it was it was tough to watch. It was it was very tough to watch. Um, I joked that it was like a lively video, but goddamn, I mean, I, re- I was watching like I didn't even have sound on or anything. So I did like was it, like the commentary like freaking out and shit. Uh, when when Bobby Green was face was face down on the ground and getting still punched, they were like, it's you know what's going on? Why are they having to stop it? <laughs> Terrible stoppage. And then and then Bobby Green stops moving and it's still getting punched. <laughs> they just started freaking out even more. Yeah, I was wondering if it was like a Dan Hardy situation, you know, like no, 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 no. Dan Hardy, you know, Herb Dean, like fucking yelling at him, you know. But it, but it could have turned into it though, to be honest. And I don't think anybody could have blamed them. I mean, it was, it was a little, it was bad. Yeah, it was very bad, and and that's a very unfortunate, man. Very unfortunate. And I know the the guy who uh, who did it, who let Bobby Green take all a bunch of punishment. I guess he's already. I guess he like Dana said like he apologized. He knew that he fucked up and like. I mean, I, it's good to see some self-awareness. I mean, that's better than, like... I think that's better than not saying anything at all to the fighter, right? That's better than Mario Yamasaki, you know? Kerry he, Hatley, by the way, that's who it was. Kerry Hatley, he let Bobby Green be a fighter on Saturday. <laughs> he was letting him be a warrior, dude. Come he on. let... Fuck, yeah, he let him be you a know, You know what we didn't talk about, like, a week or two ago? We didn't talk about Mario Yamasaki's return to a major MMA, dude. He was in the fucking BFL. Go ahead, talk about it. I was just saying, he was back. He was back in the BFL. He did, I think he did an all right job, if I remember right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I remember seeing that. And, dude, that is seeing yeah, – I got to be honest with you. I, you I got to be, that... be honest with you. I was, a little, I, was a little bit, I was a little bit on some Elixir code sound off at the time. <laughs> and I was, on, I was on Elixir code sound off at the time. And I saw fucking – and Mario Yamasaki, he shows up in the cage wearing the smart glass, and he makes the heart. And it was like a fucking jump scare, dude. I'm like, what the fuck is he doing here? You know, like you got hit with the fucking Punisher meme. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> it's literally that. <laughs> what's, my, what's Mario Yamasaki doing here? No, like, <laughs> yeah, no, but, uh, I, don't, I don't even know what fight he refed. I wish I, I knew off the top of my head. I just remember seeing that uh, popping up in my Twitter feed as uh, the PFL was having their. Well, it's good that we don't remember. It's a good thing that we don't remember. Let's just put it like that, you know, Um, (laughs) because that means he did an okay job. So we'll give Mario Yamasaki that that small credit. Um, But yeah, man, I mean, uh, in terms of the rest of this card, I said it that uh, it was arguably one of the greatest UFC fight uh, fight night cards of all time, at least in recent memory. Which ones do you want to talk about, man? A whole lot of bangers on this one. 
Oh, man. Come on, Josh. We, we need to talk about the fight that arguably should have been the co-main event, in my opinion. Davidson Ferreira versus Rob Font. Holy fuck. He has arrived. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. I mean, obviously, I want to talk about it, but I, I kind of want to let you lead the way on this one just because I'm excited. I feel like I have a lot to say, so I'm going to let you kind of take over here a little bit. Fair enough, dude. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, Davidson Figueroa, he took – I was admittedly, you know – Deistiger, the god of war. I was very iffy on this move. I think I said that on the show last week. Not really on the move, but in terms of how he'll perform, you know. He needed to move up to bantamweight. But even against Rob Font, he didn't look like the bigger guy in there. But, dude, the power the power carried up, you know. I mean, it looked like almost like the best-case scenario for a guy like Davidson Figueroa moving up. Like, yeah, he didn't look that big in there. But it looks like all of his attributes, like, he looks like he has the same power moving up in weight, you know, like he looked fast out there too. Like he looked faster than Rob on that fight. I mean, I was very, very impressed, but I know, I know that you want to talk about it. So go ahead and give me your, give me your thoughts on his win. I mean, look, and uh, the other thing is like, like I mentioned it last week and I talked about it. I mean, another thing we got to remember is it wasn't just his physical talents. I mean, the guy legitimately had good techniques, was good on the ground, had pretty solid, like uh technical striking, like, if if he moves up and the weight comes on well and maybe in the power does transfer over, then he could have a lot of success at this weight class, especially because he's been a former champ. Now whether or not they give him that love, I don't know, but I think I think they should because he beat a ranked opponent and put a hell of a work. And like I said, it seems like his power transferred over, and and like I said, he's he's a talented fighter and he he performed. Um, I am. Uh, I am surprised. I think if we, uh, at the time, like I was going back and forth on this. I think I ended up Rob Font near the end, but on the day of, I think I ended up switching David Davison. I'm a little sad we didn't get like didn't get to pick on this one, but uh, but at the same time, I do think the Rob Font matchup was pretty good as far as as far as all the ranked opponents going forward. I don't. I think all the fights are going to be significantly harder. And like I said, right now we don't have access to UFC rankings for some fucking reason, so <laughs> I don't know who else you could potentially fight. But I mean. Well, I mean, we can kind of like off the top of our head, right? Like guys like Piotr Jan, who are, are I'm assuming are up there, uh, Cheeto Vera, uh, who else? Aljo Marab, and I can't think who else would be like middle of the like other middle. Maybe like I'm sure you, Dom is there somewhere, uh, but just just like throw a few names out there. I, I'm not sure who they'll give him next, but I hope he has a relatively decent fast turnaround. And he said he did. I think he tweeted something out. I want to be back in there two to three months, which I respect the fuck out of that, and I think that also makes him. I'm sure he's also realized, like, holy fuck, you know, I'm, I'm 35, maybe, I think he's 35, maybe 35 going on 36, like, I need to get the ball rolling at this next weight class if I want to become a champ and have this kind of legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he went ahead and called out, you know, Sean O'Malley, dude. Figure respect. After, yeah, and I respect that, and um, I don't think that's necessarily a great matchup for him. Um, but he's a dog. I, I'd be down to see that potentially down the line. I was very, you know, surprised at how dominant he was. I, mean, I think that's kind of my main takeaway. Um, I thought maybe he'd be able to beat Rob Font, but I didn't expect him to do it at the ease in which he did. I mean, he just beat the fuck out of him on Saturday. Um, so, yeah, very impressed. I'd love to see him face somebody, you know, highly ranked next. But, you know, dude, you know, you know that your guy that you're pumped about coming out of this one is, is Figueroa. I'm fucking pumped about the kid out of Philly, Sean Brady, dude. I he's mean, back. He is so fucking back. I know that he took off a year, and you know he had some health issues, and we know all that. 
and he was facing the guy in Kelvin Gaston. Kelvin Gaston moved down to Walter. He looks fucking great, Angel. He looked great. We have never, dude. I mean, he's never looked that good at 170 ever. And he's finally making the jump. He's coming off a winner, Chris Curtis. Dude, not close. Another fight that just wasn't close. And he just dominated him, dude. And Sean Brady, he did an interview afterwards. He's like, you know, I, I honestly expected Kelvin to, like, you know, he better. be a lot stronger and be a lot better <laughs> in there. You know, like, he, was, he wasn't trying to be mean about it. He was just being for real, you know? Like, so, uh, and that's the same page here. But, dude, I mean, just so impressive. Not even competitive. What did you think about his win over the weekend? Good. Very good. I mean, look... Um, what I thought at the time was, look, if we had the Sean Brady before, I think he could potentially have this kind of performance. But at the same time, if the weight change does help Kelvin and we see that what Kelvin could be at his peak, this fight's going to be a heck of a time. Uh, sadly, we didn't end up getting that. Uh, I think it, but we did get something, I mean, still great in, uh, Sean Brady returning and after such a long time. And, and look, I think it was a good matchup because it was a guy who was ranked in a different weight class. He is coming down, which is harder than going up. But a guy who's dog, who's game, and, and Sean Brady looked good and still showed he has all these physical attributes and that. I just hope that let's let's see, can he continue this? You know, like I said, he had his first pro loss. This guy was uh, at one point in time fifteen and zero, undefeated. That fucking guy, and had he was before like I want to I'd argue before Shockbot, before uh, Jack Dela and Ian Gary got in the mix in the rankings. When we were talking about that ranked prospect at welterweight, it was fucking Sean Brady. There was no other name before that. Obviously, these guys were coming up. They were trying to build up their name. But that guy was fucking Sean Brady. Uh, and he still is that guy. Uh, obviously, now that time has kind of gone by, you know, since the loss. And, and you know, guys like Ian, like I said, Ian Gary, Jack, Shabbat have climbed up and, like, established their names in the division. And they're all in the mix. I mean, like I said, the thing about 170, dude, I think 170 is full of fucking killers. It might be the most competitive division in the UFC right now from 1 through 15. I mean, all those matchups – or extremely difficult. If you put the 15 guy against the number five guy or the one guy against the three guy, they're all great and they're all hard. Uh, there's no easy fights in that division whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, and that, it is, it's an excellent division. It, it has some incredible guys on the way up. And also just guys that are finally starting to find the rhythm under them. Like you mentioned, Sean Brady was a guy that we thought could be – a it really we really did keep him in that conversation with a lot of other young killers and that loss to Bilal Muhammad kind of made people step back a little bit but he's still so talented I mean and like he talked about he broke his nose early in that one it is what it is he's still very talented and he's still a fucking killer dude I'm very excited to see what he does next and he's still young I mean he's you know he's just turned 31 but that, that 31 is a bit deceiving he doesn't have a whole lot of miles really you know the and even the only real fights he got tested was literally the Bala Muhammad one, which he lost, and then also Kiesa kind of gave him some some issues in that third round. So, um, yeah, he still has not taken much damage. Still has a lot of potential. So, very excited to see what he can go ahead and do moving forward. Um, but yeah, dude. I mean, in terms of the rest of this card, I mean, Clay Guida. I thought I thought he deserved the nod. You know, I got to be honest with you. What a what a, what a dog, right? Though, like you you got to say that first. What a fucking dog, dude. Clay Guida is. A fucking gladiator. He he. I I, I was fucking because look, we were we were running late to get back home for this, and I was like, dude, we better get there before the Clay Guida fight. And we got there, I want to say, right after the Misha Tate fight, going into the main card. So we got to catch pretty much everything after that. And I was not disappointed at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you could have made a case for for uh, rounds two and three for Guida. Um, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Um. 
Yeah, I mean, he said he wants to fight at UFC 300. I, they got to give him it, dude. They have to have one veteran on there. I mean, I don't think Jim Miller's going to make it now because um, that'd be a two-month turnaround. So He's one of the know. last, uh, what is it, Strikeforce guys, right? Uh, yeah, I think Strikeforce. Yeah, he was the first Strikeforce lightweight champion, I believe. So he's one of the, as far as, like, in the UFC, though, fighters left from that, from, like, at all, whoever fought in Strikeforce, I believe he's one of the last. Yeah. Who, who, who else? Who else fought in the Strikeforce era who's still active in these feet? Do you, do you, we have to talk, well, I guess, well, I guess Misha Tate, right? <laughs> That's true, Misha. Um, I mean, technically, Nick Diaz hasn't retired, right? Um. Whoa, Josh. <laughs> No, I mean, I I can't I can't think of too many guys, man. I mean, most of like the relevant I mean, cyborgs still fighting. Rockhold's still around technically. Well, we're talking UFC though, active in the UFC. Yeah, I guess you're right. Like in the UFC, that'd be an even better question. No, I don't think there's really too many. Because not even a guy like Jim Miller. Jim Miller never fought in Strike Force. Correct. Yeah. He was a fucking IFL guy and king a ring of combat guy. I think I think OSP came in through the through Strike Force. I want to say I think he's still around. Anthony Smith, that's another one. He fought in Strike Force two or three times. There you go. Yeah, he's fought, he's fought everywhere though too. That's true. Yeah, not that many motherfuckers, man. It's it's kind of crazy. That'd be, that'd be a fun uh, question to ask. Uh, like if we were to do like a, I do like a if I do uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a fun little mini game where I ask you like little random questions. I'm like Josh, name the five remaining. Like I don't know if this is red sand, but like hypothetically, like the five remaining strike wars uh, fighters mm-hmm. in the UFC or who fought five fighters who fought in strike wars who are still active in the UFC. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean that'd be fun. I mean I can't think of. Anybody? I mean, um, there's. I bet there's some women. I'm, I think I mean, is uh, is Alexis Davis still active? I think. I think Alexis Davis is still with the UFC, right? I I don't know off the top of my head. Well, I don't know. I bet there's some women in there that I think that I'm. Yeah, I can't think of right now. But yeah, I mean, definitely. Yeah, but yeah, dude. I mean, good for Clay Guida. They better give him that UFC 300 fight. I don't care if it's if it's you know Joe Lozon said he wants one more. Jim Miller said he wants to do it. They have to give him another veteran, and there's multiple they can give him. So let's just fucking do it. Let's not be ridiculous about this. Um, <laughs> let's give let's give the OGs what they want. All right. Uh, Dustin Solfish picked up a win. Um, Misha Tate picking up a win over Julia Vila. I gotta be honest with you. I don't know how you felt about this one going in. Um, I did not expect this fight to be so dominant at all. I was I was very unsure about it because uh, Julia Vila had been uh, like inactive and like we, we talked about it in the pre-show for like a number of different reasons, uh, not only necessarily by her choice. And Misha's looked uh, I don't I don't I don't know what, how to properly word it. I don't want to say shaky, and I don't think bad's the other word for it. But uh, I guess up and down, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe not great against like I guess maybe up and down. I don't know. I don't know what the proper how I could properly phrase it, but it just hasn't been all like all up, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, this has been a this this is a very high though in her return though. Like, I think this is probably one of the best moments since her return, and it's kind of nice to see like it's not over yet, you know. And the fact that he's, she's still very good and in beating these these uh young gals, I think she's even though I don't know how much younger Julia Vila is though. I don't think it's by much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One hundred percent. I mean, I I was very very surprised at um, the fashion in which she dominated Misha did, and she went into this fight admitting that like you know this could be the final one. You not know, now, not, not anymore. 
Not anymore, dude. Dude, they she's gotta, fucking back, dude. I mean, they gotta drop the bet. Like they, yeah. I mean, we gotta talk about it, right? They Holly Home, Misha Tate, UFC three hundred. Holly Home, Misha Tate, UFC three hundred. It makes way too much sense for them not to make it, especially considering at the same exact time that the winner of that has to be in the conversation for a title shot. Like they're, they're like this division's very bad and. It makes a lot of sense. It's been it's been seven over seven years since their first fight. And by out of curiosity, did you see Misha's reasoning for wanting the rematch? Oh no, what was it? She said that everybody thinks she got her ass kicked in that fight, and everybody talks about how you know, oh, what a comeback it was. But if you know, she cor- she correctly stated that, uh, and it's something that's also I've always that when she said it, like you know, she's got a point there, you know, like. She, that fight would have been a draw. It wasn't even that big of a comeback, you know? Like, that fight was competitive. Had she stayed on top for that round, that fight would have been a draw. Wouldn't even been, uh, so are people there, always... Are they, they, like are they uh, talking about the one where she, she submitted her in the end? Correct. And, and people always talk about how it's, like, this crazy comeback, and Misha was like, it really wasn't, fight. though. It really wasn't. I, I was in that fight, you know? Like... Josh was like, I was there. I was in this. I was there present. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she is correct. There's always, as a, as a former Misha Tate stand, that was that was something that annoyed me at the time. So you, were you a Misha Tate? Were you? you no, nah, not Tate really. Fan? But not really. But I was a big fan. Who were wasn't? You, you know. Were, were you a bigger Ronda fan than the Misha Tate fan at the time? I mean, obviously, you got to you got to live that that period in, in women's fighting. How were actually at the time? Whenever you like women's uh, divisions came into UFC, who were you like your favorite fighters at the time in the in the women's division outside of the big you know names like like Ronda, like Misha? Because there really wasn't that many big, like, like now you you have a variety of things. You know, we talk about several women fighters. You know, if you, if you keep up with the UFC or just MMA in, in general on a pretty regular basis, you can name a number of female fighters where I think a period in time that definitely wasn't a thing. And now, you know, we could be like, oh, we like fucking Yasha Nan, Stamp Fairtex, uh, you know, uh, Leah McCord, you know, you know, and this is someone who probably, and I talk about like people who like regularly watch MMA and maybe even check out other things. And maybe even the average kind of regular casual could probably name more than a few female fighters that are not all, they're not champs. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, personally, Angel, I mean, whenever you think back to that era, I mean, I got to go with Cindy Dandrois. I mean, we get off, <laughs> I'm joking around, but yeah, I mean, there, you're, you make a very good point that, um, the the depth of of women's MMA has gotten much much better, especially compared to when it first was a thing. You know, across multiple divisions too. Like I will say that women's bantamweight right now is a terrible division, but women's flyweight and women's strawweight are like genuinely two of the best divisions in the UFC period right now. You know, um, it's just a matter of letting those women actually fight. Like why the fuck is Weili Zhang still sitting on the sideline? You know what I'm saying? They're saving um, her, man. They're saving her for something. Something, yeah. I mean, that's. I feel like that's what you can say about half the UFC roster right now. They're saving them for something, you know. Um, but yeah. And anyways, man. I mean, in regards to the to the rest of this this card, man. Um, UFC Austin. There were other big moments. Cody Brundage and Drakarkos getting slam knockouts. Back uh, to back, by the way. Exactly. I mean, there were 14 slam knockouts. I think it was 12, actually. There were 12 slam knockouts going into fight night, and we got two back-to-back. <laughs> That's fucking crazy, dude. It was the um, last one, the Jordan Levitt one, by the way? Or was there I believe one in so. Between that? Isn't that I crazy? Wanna, like, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, isn't that crazy? Like, if there was that much time between them, and on top of that, that we got two? Like, that's just wild. Like, I don't know what the stats would be on that, but the numbers are probably insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe it. 
I believe it, dude. I mean, I, it's it's pretty fucking crazy. It's pretty crazy. And um, I want to say that, like you mentioned, Jordan Levin's the last lunch. Can't remember for sure, but yeah, I mean, El Horpatero getting knocked out in a crazy fight, man. Uh, Odafo Bill, so he did it for Shogun, you know. Uh, <laughs> Jared Gooden getting a win. I mean, this is this is just a crazy card, dude. I mean, we had two fights. Excuse me, three fights. Period. Make it to the judges' score card. So it's it was an all time one. And any. Final thoughts on this UC Austin card before we go ahead and move on. Uh, no, man. I thought it was fun, and if you missed that on it, and they think about re, uh, if you should rewatch it or not rewatch it, I'd say absolutely rewatch it. Uh, they, they were all great, uh, in my opinion. I don't think there was a was there a bad fight on this card. Like, I mean, genuinely, Josh, from top to bottom, out no. of the eleven, uh, out of the twelve fights, was there a bad fight? Like, I, I don't think there was. I mean, they pretty much all ended in a finish. Two of them went the distance, and even then, those two that went to distance were still pretty good fights. Actually, three fights went to distance, my bad. But, uh, yeah, no, definitely, if you want to rewatch one, take some time out of your day, or like I said, if you missed that on it, or, yeah, no, go ahead and, and go back and rewatch. I might even actually go back and rewatch it. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's not a single bad fight across the entire card. That's, that's about the way to put it. All bangers. The entire night. So, uh, yeah, man, very hard to find an issue with it. Um, that being said, we got, we got, we got more MMA to talk about. We got a card to preview going down this Saturday night from the UC Apex, UC Vegas 83. Um, you know, this, this fight was supposed to be a, uh, a, a Shanghai card. Uh, it will instead be going down in Las Vegas. In the main event, Song Yadong. We know the story here. Coming off a knockout win of Rookie Simone. Slowly but surely, rising his way up the bantamweight rankings. He he did suffer a loss to Corey Sandhagen in the biggest fight of his career. But even that was a banger, man. It was a doctor stoppage taking on the rising Chris Gutierrez. A similar story, right? Coming off a big win. Prior to that, he lost to Pedro Munoz. But prior to that, he had a huge win streak. You know, um, he had his winning streak ended uh, at the hands of Pedro Munoz in 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 KC back in April. Um, but look, man. You know, both these guys, two young guys, looking to break their way into the, the, the you know contendership at bantamweight. What do you think about this one, man? Five rounds. It should be a lot of fun. I mean, look, uh, for a while there, we knew that Song Yadong would be headlining this card originally in Shanghai, and no longer there now in the Apex in Vegas. And we end up getting Chris Gutierrez. There was rumors of Piotr Jan at the time, mainly that ended up not coming. A reality, sadly. I think that would have been a great matchup, a hard fight for Sangadong and a, and a hard fight too for Piotr. I think that would have been, a, I think, a, a good and the correct matchup for him, but I don't know what he's been planning on doing, but we could skip over him for now. Um, fuck, dude. Like, Chris Gutierrez, I thought he was going to take that leap in, in KC, dude, just a few months back when we were there live in the T-Bowl Center. Uh, ends up falling short against Brady Munoz, comes back fighting a fighter's name who I've heard Mentioned. I've heard the pronunciation for it. I can't think of it, but I've heard it. I know how it is. Uh, respectfully, not to offend anybody, I will not say it. But, uh, yeah, he, he bounced back after his Petro Munoz on us earlier this year. And, uh, taking on the young and rising Sonya Dong, dude, we always talk about this. So young and so good already. I remember when we talked about him several months ago, uh, when he was fighting, uh, well, actually, well, it would have been last year now. God. I mean, I guess I guess it is several months if you want. If I could, if I could put it like that. But when he's fighting Corey Sanhagen at the time, I was bringing up like, dude, this kid for the age he's at and like the the ranking he has now in the UC, 
for being 26, uh, just turned, by the way, just turned 26 a few days ago. Mm-hmm. To be ranked in Bantamweight, a division that's full of killers, and be this fucking good and have the team that he does around him at Team Alpha Male with a, a great coaching in Uriah favor and, you know, like the other number of great fighters that have gone through there, uh, and that are still active in there. I mean, he is, he is set up for success. Like, at some, like, I think, I will be disappointed if Song Dong does not at least hold the 135 strap at least one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's something that we've talked about several times that we, and like, look, I know I pump him up, I raise him up, but it just, think about how good he is right now. He's 26 year old, 26 years old, and he's fought a bunch of amazing fighters in this division and is looking this, this fucking good. Um, he's taking out Chris Gutierrez, tough guy, uh, He's younger, 32, still still a good age for Bantamweight, not old by any means. Uh, underrated, had a silent climb up, but I always mention them on this podcast being like, guys, Chris Gutierrez, he's coming on, he's coming on, he's coming on. He's not necessarily getting all those crazy highlights or anything like that, but he's there. Um, I think this is a hard matchup, man. Like, I think this could be, I'm not going to say this is really a crossroads matchup, but the, you, you, what this really reminds me of, Josh, is of, and I think this is a perfect example, the Armin Saryukin and the Mateus Gamera fight, where Chris Gutierrez in this situation to an extent is Gamera, and Song Dong to a certain extent is Armon, and where, right, yeah, right, I mean, I know, I know Chris is not ranked as highly, I think, as Ar- um, Mateus was going into the fight, but I think that's probably the, like, if you were to make a direct comparison, I think that's what it is, Josh, you have a young guy, an experienced guy who's a vet who's also rising, and this is going to be the crossroads, this will take Gutierrez, Chris Gutierrez up into the the higher echelon, those bigger fights, the, you know, the Umars, those kind of names, the Pyotrs, or, you know, it'll set them back a little bit. And for Song at all, this could potentially propel them into those bigger top five fights, kind of where Armin's in the, the position he's in now. Mm-hmm. That's a great comparison. I didn't really think about it, but great comparison, dude. And, and like I said, it's not exactly equal, but it's, it's pretty close, dude. Um, I will say, dude, as interesting as this fight is, I will say the thing that I disagree about with with that Armand and Gamrot fight. That fight seemed more like it's how can I how can I put this? That fight seemed more like they were trying to figure out which of these guys has the higher ceiling. This feels like more of a I don't want to say a a spotlight fight for Song Yudong, but it seems like they much more believe in him than they believe in Chris Gutierrez. Am, am I am I on the wrong side of thinking that? Uh, yeah, but you know those reasons are not. You know why those yeah. reasons? You know what I mean? They 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 see him as a giant marketing piece, mm-hmm. and on top of that, he's talented. You know, that's that say it as it is. It's yeah. not just where he comes from. Um, but I do want to make it clear that the reason that they probably do think that is because where he comes from in the market that he could potentially open up. Mm. Exactly. And if he um, becomes but, the first Chinese male champion, Josh, I mean that's that's a whole nother. Whole nother world, dude. Yeah. Whole nother world. Male, um, male Chinese champ. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, man. I, I, I think it's, I think it's an interesting fight. I will say that I am, I'm similar to the UC. I'm much more of a believer in Song Yudong's, uh, I think that he has a much greater peak than Chris, Chris Gutierrez will have in his career. Um, I think he's the future. I think he's the younger guy. And he's only he only he's seemingly only getting better too. So I'm gonna go ahead and take him to get the win here. 
What do you think about this this potential Fight Night matchup? Do you think Chris Gutierrez will be able to pull the upset? According to according to uh, BetMGM, Song Yudong minus three fifty, not sponsored by the way. I have to throw that out there, but just trying to give you a <laughs> just the betting line. Once again, I I really hardcore disagree with those odds. I think that Chris Gutierrez has been getting extremely disrespected in this matchup. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't be surprised if he comes out here and and, and makes a makes an upset. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think he could shock a lot of people. Uh, he, he's that good. He's, he's he has that potential. Um, he he's well more than capable of putting himself in a good position to win this fight. I mean, shit, his own team, Jonathan Martinez, just recently went over Adrian Yanez and Saeed Nurmagomedov. Saeed Nurmagomedov, and I I believe he was an underdog potentially in both of those. They come out of the same gym and they train together, and to a very they have different styles, but they both have very, very great kicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I will say that it, although I am picking Song Yudong to get the win here, I do agree with you that I think those odds are pretty disrespectful. Um, Chris Gutierrez has as I also think that's kind of like Chris Gutierrez's thing, though. I don't think anybody when it, during his ongoing winning streak, I remember we were talking about how like no, they were never paying any attention to him. They were never giving him big fights. Nobody was paying any attention, and he tried to keep on winning and winning and winning and winning and winning, and eventually got the Frankie Edgar fight. But, I mean, that was the corpse of Frankie Edgar. That was his last fight, so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, man, it's uh, – I'm, he- I'm looking right now, Josh, just because I was curious. Since joining the UFC, this is the biggest, like, jump he's had in, like, odds since his debut. Mm-hmm. Uh, in his debut against Ryan McDonald. He was a minus two ninety favorite. Outside of that, pretty much all the fights ever that he's been like a kind of moderate favorite, if not just a, a near even. Well, not necessarily. I don't mean like in terms of like he's been favored to lose all of his fights. I meant more in terms of like disrespect. I meant like, no, no, no. But I was just I was okay. just mentioning that I was just bringing up the fact that like these odds are the biggest difference he's had, like mm-hmm. the biggest you know in comparison to all the other ones he had, like just the biggest jump he's had. Word, I understand. All right. Um yeah, man, I I am going to go ahead and take uh, Song Yudong to get the win. I think it should be a fun fight, though. Uh, I am, I mean, I understand why they're the co-main event, um, but I I'm honestly surprised that these that they didn't just elevate this fight to the main event. It feels like a UFC thing to do. Uh, Anthony Smith is stepping in here on very short notice. I believe he got this fight around a week ago. Yeah, two weeks notice. Uh, coming off a win over Ryan Spann in August, he will now look to keep that momentum going against Khalil Roundtree who has won four fights in a row, three of them by knockout. Uh, look, man, it, it very interesting decision for for uh, for Anthony Smith to accept this fight. Lionheart, man. I, I Look, he's, he's coming a dog. off. He's a dog. He's coming off a win. But stepping in on short notice against a guy who's won four fights in a row, I understand he's lower ranked, but damn, what, what do you think about this one? For me, this fight will show me if Anthony Smith has uh, still got some miles, like he still has some miles on him. Like he's still willing, he has enough in the tank, you know, to go forward. Because it seems like Kilo Roundtree's coming on, and like I said, look, to be honest, Josh, the last, I'd let's say three Anthony Smith fights have been, uh, you know, rough. And obviously, the Maga Medical Live one ending in a in a injury, right? But it was, uh, you know, you know, make of it what you will. Uh, the Johnny Walker fight, which was a odd one, right? You hurt, you're hurting my family. <laughs> uh, the Ryan split, the Ryan Span split decision, which, you know, there's been a lot of arguments over. 
Uh, but it was still, I, I think it was still a pretty good fight out of uh, Anthony Smith for the most part. Uh, in comparison to the first one, though, not, not as great, right? Cause he ended up getting the finish of that one. Um, yeah, no, man. Uh, for me, this would be the one is if Anthony Smith is, I think if there's any damage or any, any issues there or he, you know, like the body's just kind of working against him, I think it might show in this fight. Cause we're, we're a little ranchy, he's gonna cause some damage. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, same page here. Uh, I think this is – look, I understood why Anthony Smith took this fight. It's probably a lot of money. Stepping here on two weeks' notice. Khalil Roundtree is the lower-ranked guy. And I mentioned four wins. Four wins against, I mean, less – you know, the lower tier of competition, right? Like, these – Anthony Smith's faced a lot better than this. At the same time, dude, he is so much damaged throughout his life. He's on the wrong side of 35. The, I, the stat – the, 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 the thing I always think about is – that 35 stat. I can't remember which one it is, but like fighters after the point of being 35, they don't drop off a cliff, but it's substantially harder. That's the point, especially when it comes to the top level. I think like championship fighters are like two and 30 or something. If they're past the age of 35, Anthony Smith turned 35 earlier this year. He's taken a lot of damage. He looks like he's slower than his last few fights and stepping in our two weeks notice against a guy who's won four straight fights, including three by knockout. It's tough, man. I'm going to go and take a little round tree. I think it's just, I, I understood why he took it. I would not have. I'll put it like that. Um, and Anthony Smith could win this fight. He's very, he's a very hard hitter. He has, you know, he does have a lot of attributes. I believe he'll probably, I mean, what, he'll be the taller guy in there. Um, he will have the, I believe, he won't have the longer reach. I just checked that. Never mind. I'm glad that's I did. A, that's, that's surprising. It's, uh, Khalil Rancher's like 6'1. Yeah, Anthony Smith's 76-inch reach. Uh, round, she's going to have a half-reach advantage, so another thing in his favor. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take a little round tree, though. It'll it'll be interesting, man. Um, in terms of the rest of this card, is it UFC Austin? No. Are there some fun fights? Hell yeah, brother. Uh, which fights do you most want to talk about? Oh, man, let me look at it. Let me see here. Who do, well, this one just got announced, Josh. So is it Sumata Jir will no longer be fighting Alan Nassimento. He will now be taking out Tim Elliott. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim Elliott coming in on short notice. I respect the fuck out of that man, especially after suffering a loss to a young up and coming talent like Muhammad Makayev. Taking on a, a dog is Sumata Jir, dude. The last time we saw him, Josh, I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember the fight against last year against Matt Schnell where Sumata Jir, if I remember, I was looking great in the first round. Matt Schnell comes out in the second and says, <laughs> I will not die. And yeah. Almost kills the man, finishes him late in the second. Um, somehow could have almost made it to the third. I mean, that was a wild-ass fight. It, it, it's been over a year now since that. Uh, uh, funny enough, Tim Elliott and Sumanji were originally scheduled to be supposed to fight in 2021. So I guess now they both get to uh, come together and, and make that fight actually happen. So that's exciting there. Mm-hmm. 100%. I mean, you mentioned that. That's Sumanji fight, dude. That that's one of those ones that lives like rent free in my fucking head. I'm pretty sure we saw that one together. We did, and I remember Matt Schnell. The image of Matt Schnell like standing over Sumai Jerry, just them both covered in blood. It's like I have to go back and rewatch that one, man. <laughs> it was one of the craziest fucking things I've ever seen, dude. I mean, it it looked like a scene out of a fucking horror movie. And sometimes people, uh, sometimes will say that on the show, but like actually, the amount of blood and the shit that happened in that fight. Oh my god. Um yeah, man. Just just unreal. Um but yeah, man. Uh, like I'm happy you went ahead and mentioned that Tim Elliott, man. I'm happy to see him back. Kansas City's finest. I think 
I think technically he lives in, in Lee's sum. If we don't, we don't talk about that. We count him, you know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man. Uh, I think he moved to Vegas recently. I could be wrong, or Texas. Full might, are you serious? I think he's no longer a Kansas City native anymore, sadly. Well, you know what? We're still going to rep him. Who gives a fuck? Right? <laughs> Who gives a shit, dude? I don't, he, he lived here for long enough, you know. <laughs> uh, Casey's finest, no longer Casey's finest, it appears. Um Angel, it looks like you're gonna have to pick up the mantle and get to the UFC and and refer and uh, you know fly the flag of Kansas City. Could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, man. Uh, yeah. In terms of the rest of this card, there are some other fun fights. I'm I'm also very excited to see the return of my boy Tatsuru Tara. This guy, dude, flyweight is fucking popping, dude. I mean, you gotta say it. You know, with Maham Makayev. You also got Tatsuro Tara. Now, granted, he's also kind of experimented at, at, at Bantamweight, but I believe, you know, I believe this fight's going to be down at Flyweight against Carlos Hernandez. Yes, it will be. Okay, yeah, I mean, this kid out of Japan, undefeated 14-0, and has looked dominant in every single one of his fights thus far. Excited to see him back, man. Um, and still also in his early 20s. I mean, I mentioned Makayev, dude. This This kid's 23, so... You know, very excited to see what he can do this Saturday, man. He That kid's the fucking future, man. And flyweight is a division, like I said, has a lot of, for some reason, all the youngest guys, I feel like, in terms of guys that are slowly on the rise, like guys in their early 20s, you know. So excited mm-hmm. to see that, man. Um, Steve Garcia is back. Big fan of him, Mean Machine. Every time he goes out there, he puts on a fucking show. Um, Andre Muniz, he struggled a bit. Going to go ahead and come back against Park John, uh Young. Should be fun. By the way, underrated win yeah. streak right there too. I believe I, I just looked at it. Four wins straight. Potentially going to throw himself in the mix mm-hmm. in middleweight. I think that's actually one of the most like under like not known by anybody win streaks in the division currently, or that anybody probably knows about. You're correct, dude. You're absolutely right because and also some of those wins. I mean, you know, Albert Duryev is a guy who I remember thinking he was going to be very very good. Um, and he still might be, but uh, Joe Young Park, that's who he defeated last time out, submitted him. I believe that was the first stoppage loss of Albert Duryev's career. Um, so, yeah, that was a big win. Also, Eric Anders, man. So, he's a guy, like you said, very low-key, but he's making his way up the ranks, man. I'm excited to see him this week. Any closing thoughts on this card before we go ahead and move on? Look, I think there's I think there's still good fights and matchups. I think there could be some bangers on here. Not as strong as last week, but we are going into the end of the year, and we'll be closing. I think what is it next week will be our final card, Josh, the pay per view. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. So yeah, we'll get to close out the year. I, I'll get to see you one last time in 2023 as we go into beautiful 2024, and uh, with whatever little fights we have left, and, and we got to talk about and sound off awards later this month. Hmm. Exactly. I'm excited for the Sound Off Awards, you know? I always have so much fun doing that. That's, like, my favorite, probably my favorite episode of the year. Because we should get to, like, reflect on the year, and we'll take some fan questions, I'm sure. You know, we'll have some fun stuff, man. And plus, like, you know, we know it's the it's one of those shows we know it's going to happen no matter what. Like, what, like we know what's going to happen on that show. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, man. Kind of To kind of move on... Um, that's all we got for you. See how we do have a little bit of boxing to go ahead and discuss because you have to talk about the return of King Ryan Garcia. King Ryan back in the ring, taking on the rising Oscar Duarte, who we talked about. I mean, 
He's he scored, I believe, he ended this fight on a nine-fight win streak, all by the way of knockout. Uh, he was 26-1, last beat D'Angelo Keys, who actually, you know, he's not a bad guy. He's, he's you know, so he put, granted, lower level of competition. We come to the story, Oscar Duarte going in there, he was competitive for a bit. He had some big shots. He went to the body a lot. It was clear that both of these guys had uh, game plan, very, very clear game plans. Ryan Garcia, though, in round eight, he catches him, ends up getting the knockout win pretty much out of nowhere. But the hand speed was crazy, insane combination, though. What did you think about his win, his return to action, and then calling out Raleigh Romero afterward? I think that's a good, I think that's a good fight. Like, I, th- I thought that was the direction he should go no matter what after this fight. A guy who has some relevance, some kind of attention in, in this division, has some pretty decent wins, I'd say. Uh, and definitely will sell the fight, right? I mean, that's the other big thing. And, and look, Ryan doesn't need help selling pay-per-views or fights or anything like that. I mean, he has a, a massive loyal fan base. You know, and, and like I said, we we saw that in his fight with uh with Tank, obviously. So, um, if that fight end up does end up happening, no no worries as far as you know that being you know sold to the crowd. But uh, as far as the performance itself, I mean, look, it, it, there was moments right where I was a little confused. I I thought that uh, I was wondering what Ryan was doing, but I I later noticed, okay, I, this is his game plan. This is what he's doing. Um, a lot of people did kind of dog him for his performance. I don't think it looked bad. It did look a little safe, right? But I think for a very true infighter in Oscar Duarte, I think it was, I don't think there was anything wrong that Ryan did. I think he realized what he had to do and he had, he knew he had to find that perfect punch and he did. Uh, it was later in the rounds. You, you kind of did kind of wonder like, is this going to get away from Ryan or is he going to be able to kind of find his, his way in this fight and get, and get Oscar Duarte out of here? And he ended up doing that. Like you said, obviously incredibly fast, uh, Competition, a typical Ryan Garcia way to end, end a fight, right? It just, you know, all speed. Exactly. All speed, dude. And I was, I, look, there were some people who kind of took the approach of they thought, you know, he sucked. And there were a lot of people talking shit on Ryan. Um, I thought he looked fine. You know, I think this was the bounce back win that he needed. He didn't look, he didn't do anything too crazy. He didn't show anything too crazy. But at the same time, first fight with Derek James, I liked a lot what I saw, you know. And also, I think a, I, I think a fair bit of this is just Oscar Duarte being better than a lot of people expected. He was not a tune-up. He was actually, he's not a guy that had, you know, had just beaten nobodies and was complete shit. Like, he, he was he was an interesting guy. He had, he packed power, um, and there was a reason why his fight was competitive. Um, he was never, Ryan was never going to go spark out this guy in round one. That's just not who he is, and that's not who this guy is. So, yeah, man, I, I thought his performance was fine. Was it, it everything I wanted it to be? No. Did it kind of give me some some pause for some of the bigger guys up at 140? Yeah, a little bit. But at the same time, look, I mean, Ryan is who he is at this point in his career. Um, he's going to get better, hopefully. And if he just, you know, focuses on training, keeps to the game plan, I think he'll be fine. Um, it's just a matter of staying active, getting in there, getting those big fights. And I think a fight with Raleigh Romero makes a lot of sense. I would love to see that next, you know. So we'll see, though. We'll see. Coming off it's the first, a safe yeah. but but difficult and right choice, I think. Yeah, I agree. I fully agree. But yeah, man. Any any closing thoughts? Anything else we talk about with uh, Ryan Garcia before we move on? I mean, I think we we pretty much went over it all well. I mean, as as far as how down the line, I mean, how do you, how do you feel about some of these guys in this division, Josh? I mean, I was like, he moved up to what is it? Is it super lightweight now, or is it lightweight? Where where is he sitting at now? Um, I believe it's super lightweight. Yeah, I had to double check. 
It's because you know how these fucking boxing weight classes are, man. Fucking five pounds and you're in a new weight class. <laughs> I know, no, yeah. I mean, look at look at these weight class, Josh. I mean, just to name a few names. Teofimo Lopez, Regis Progre, uh, uh, scary one here, Subriel Matias. If you know who that is, Josh, holy fuck, that guy's a killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sandor Martin, who I think is a dog, in my opinion. Uh, Richard Comey, who I know is lower ranked former champ, though. I know he suffered a few losses, but I think he's a difficult matchup, kind of a kind of interesting guy there in the mix. Um, you know, just name a view. I mean, going forward, I mean, look, I think there is potential to build up Ryan in this division and get him going. But like I said, I do feel like there's some like some fucking killers in here. Uh, and like I said, my big one is that Super Matias guy, Josh. I mean, he's I don't know if you know this, Josh. He beat his last his five his last five opponents have all retired in their corner. Damn. I mean, think think about that at, at the yeah. professional. And by the way, he's fighting guys who are like. 23 and 0, 30 and 0, 18 and 0, 8, another guy who's 18 and 0, 62. I mean, guys who are trying to build up their career and get to mm-hmm. the point to fight, you know, big championship fights, and he's ending it. Yeah. With, with the corner stopping the fight. Uh, also, got, Josh, I don't know if this guy fucking killed the guy. Excuse me. He he, he like didn't kill someone like like he didn't you know, like <laughs> yeah, I'm talking like he, the damage sustained after he the, actually did, huh? The damage sustained after the boxing match with one of his opponents. Later resulted in the death of one of his opponents. I did not know that. Today I learned. Dude, this guy's fucking terrifying. I'm telling you. Yeah, I mean it seems that way. It seems that way. He's 31. He's Puerto Rican. He's five eight. He's reaches 71. He's scary. Damn, dude. Damn, that's that's crazy. I did not know that. Um, yeah, dude. I mean, I I think we should go and move on. But I did not know that. This is pretty interesting. Well, but, dude, I just I just shocked the shit out of you. Didn't I? You did. You did. I had no idea. Um, <laughs> uh, speaking of, speaking of guys who are getting killed though, uh, I'm not sure if G- Giga Chikadze, um, is out of his fight with Josh Emmett. Did you see, before we talk about who could possibly replace him, did you see the injury video? Yeah, I saw the clip, dude. I heard the scream. It was terrible. Yeah, Giga Chikadze tearing his groin. So we will, we will, you know, send him our thoughts and prayers. Um, <laughs> fucking terrible thing to happen dude um but yeah i mean unfortunately unfortunate for him but it does leave an opening on that usc 296 card like i said last card of the year who do you think could potentially who do you want to see face josh Now, granted we don't even know if he will remain on this card we don't know who he will face i mean we don't know if he wants to replace an opponent i I think i think i think they should try and i think josh emmett has come out and he does want to find an opponent so yeah yeah, but to uh, to kind of go into it, I think one day should try to find someone. It's the last card of the year. Uh, I think, like I said, I think I believe Josh Emmett wants to fight. As far as available opponents, I mean, that's a little hard to say, right, because we don't know everybody's current condition and kind of where they're at weight cutting wise. But a name that I drop of a guy who kind of has some little hype right now that I thought would be fun is if Diego Lopez can make it, Josh, I'd be fucking down. That'd be three fights in 20 – actually, no, that'd be four fights in 2023. If he can make the call up, I think he should. Um like I said, I, I, it's really hard cause without knowing kind of where everybody at mm-hmm. is at, and, and kind of like I feel like everybody's kind of fought not too long ago. I don't, I don't know, I don't believe Calvin Cater could probably make that quick enough, but if if he could, you know that that'd be a fun one to run it back. I think that'd be interesting. Um, I, I think another one, Joe Anderson Brito, a pretty recent guy who won. Maybe he can make that quick turn around. I don't know if he could. I will get him into the rankings potentially, but I'd say those are probably like my two to three kind of kind of options that I really like. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's about what I, how I feel too. Um, I think Diego Lopez makes the most sense, um, and that's basically the fight that I want to see the most. I, but also that just kid, I, I'd watch that kid fight anybody. 
Um, realistically, they're probably going to give Josh Emmett, a guy that fought in the contender series probably six months ago and lost. I mean, if we're, <laughs> that's probably the most realistic option. Uh, but if we're doing dream scenarios, fuck yeah, Diego Lopez all the way, dude. I mean, if I'm, if I'm Dana White in the UFC and I can force fighters to accept fights, that's the one I'm doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, well, hopefully we'll see. I mean, they are running out of time to go ahead and make this replacement fight. Uh, so hopefully we'll get, we may even have an announcement, you know, by the end of, you know, the week. So we'll see. We're filming this episode a bit earlier in the week. So it's, if they just already announced it by now, that's why. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, that's, that's basically all I got for that one. But this was, I think we should go ahead and move on to this news. Cause this was the bigger, this was a very big piece of news. It was quite controversial when it came out as well. Um, UC, former UC light heavyweight champion Jamal Hill was arrested last week. Uh, on charges of aggravated domestic violence after reportedly assaulting his brother. And his first hearing is set for next year in January. Um, since then, uh, his manager has released a statement, and many people are angry at the telling of the story, calling it domestic violence. Um, and his uh, managers got angry at, quote, clickbait media uh, for calling it domestic violence and so on and so forth. As of now, Jamal Hill wants to, you know, clear his name in court. We we don't have a whole lot more details, but it is one of the bigger news pieces of the week. Uh, what did you, what did you see about the situation? What did you uh, what did you make of it? Kind of kind of everything every uh, uh, everybody else saw. Obviously, he was having a lot of back and forth online there for a little bit with I think Ariel a little bit prior to this. So he obviously got trolled heavily, and a lot of people came out and kind of uh, wanted to make fun of him for the situation. And look, when you read the headline. You know, let's say, and not even put, not even saying Jamal Hill, but MMA fighter gets charged with domestic abuse. You think, holy fuck, this guy probably just beat his wife, right? And look, ended up not being his girl. Cause look, I'm not even gonna lie. The first, cause I only saw that headline. So I came to the conclusion of like, oh my God, my man just put hands on this girl. That's fucking terrible. Yeah. Then I proceeded to click the link. And like I said, I didn't, I just, that's what I thought at first glance. Then I proceeded to do more research and educate myself and then finding out it was his brother, which is, Weird, because I was like, I wonder what happened there. And like I said, we don't all have all these details yet. We don't know what all happened. We don't know if there was some sort of like family feud or argument, if there was, you know, money about whatever it may be, right? You know, yeah. we don't know. But uh, just a shitty scenario to be in, right? Nobody ever wants to be labeled anything, and uh, let alone the, especially the word. Just like I said, we, when we think domestic abuse, a lot of the times we just think, you know, man putting hands on his girl, you know. When it's not necessarily always that, it could actually be the other way around too, you know. And uh, in this in this case scenario, it's uh, brother and brother, you know, or it could be brother and sister, or, uh, son and father, or whoever it could be, right? So, and, and I, like I'm not I'm not saying to make it any I'm not saying it's any better or any of that, but you know, just to you know, I didn't like I said, my first conclusion was holy shit, he, mm-hmm. he, he just put hands on his girl, and it's not what happened at all. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um... Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely not a good situation either. I think there were some people who were trying to say, like, you guys never fought your brother. And it's like, dude, Jamal Hill's 30. <laughs> so it's like, uh, it's like, dude, <laughs> fuck, bro. I mean, I'm like. <laughs> you, must, you must have never seen the Lozon brothers fight in their backyard on fucking Thanksgiving. No, I mean, I've seen that happen, too. But at least I was, like, you know, consensual and they're both fighters. So it's just like, fuck, dude. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to say about this. I, I, I don't have anything to really add. I guess we'll have to see how the situation plays out. Um, I, I did think a lot of the people who were trying to like defend it, like you never fought your brother before. I'm like, dude, like 
like I don't know, like I well I've never I don't have a brother, so that's true. But and I but I do a brother fight all the time. But like Jamal Hill is thirty two years old, dude. Like what are we doing? I'm, I'm I'm an only child. I had no brother to ever fight. Yeah, I mean I'm just saying, like he's thirty two, bro. So what are we doing here? So it's no, like you're, I really you're not wrong. And like I said, I wonder what happened. We don't know yeah. what happened. What if? Uh, and look, I'm not saying this, but let's say there was a situation. Where he might have done something wrong to another family member. You know, I'm not saying, I'm yeah. not saying that, look, I don't know, like, I'm not trying to say that's what it is, but I'm just giving you an example of, you know, there, there's other things that could have led to there being an exchange that could be justified, even though yeah. societally and morally you don't want to hurt people and let alone, you know, because you're a professional fighter. Mm-hmm. But I, I did, I didn't understand. I thought people knew that domestic violence just meant that you're beating up somebody that's a part of your family. No, dude, and look, I, 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 I thought, I, I'm not I, trying to be dick. I genuinely thought people. No, 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 and look, I'll break it yeah. down a little bit more. In my head, like, I, I, like, obviously I've known of that, but I didn't think that for some reason. You know what I mean? But I, but that just goes to show how we're in a bubble. You know what I mean? In society. And we kind of jumped to that conclusion, like I said. But I clicked on it because I need to get more information. That's how I educated myself, you know? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent, and and that's all about people just have to click on it, and uh, yeah, man. I mean, I don't have too many thoughts to add. Um, I will say that people people got like the reason why I thought before like maybe maybe he hit a woman is probably because some of the stuff he said about hitting women. So that's probably you know my own personal thoughts. And, and there's, it had nothing there's, it had nothing to do with the the title of the article. Like, also, there's there's one other reason, Josh, that we will yeah. not mention on the show that will get us in trouble. But you know, people have, you know, they 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 have sort of thoughts. You know what I mean? They they don't, you know, it, it you know not not thinking right about people's character without you know just making assumptions because of the way they look. Yeah, that is correct as well. That is correct as well. So, yeah, I mean, we'll have to see how it looks. An innocent until proven guilty, of course. So, right, yeah, and we'll see in the the trial, which the trial's next month. So. Or starts next month, excuse me. Um, in terms of fun news, um, <laughs> um, Robert the Bad Boy Despengi, he is the future of the UFC heavyweight <laughs> division. Uh, some of you guys may have seen him already. He is a former Taekwondo Olympian, uh, 35 years old. He's a brick shit house. He's 6'7. Um, and he got a knockout win in four seconds. Prior to that, he got a knockout win in three seconds. Prior to that, he got a knockout win in 12 seconds. He has his last three fights. He's finished within 16 seconds. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, he returned to the cage earlier this week, got a knockout win, and was signed by the UFC, I believe, 10 minutes later. Uh, what do you make of all of this? Uh, this this newest prospect joining to the signed to the UFC? Angel? I, I want you to know, Josh. By the way, this po- the post uh, that he was signed to the UFC and that showed that highlight and said he had like 15 seconds of cage time. Went onto Instagram on ESPN MMA. That clip has been up for 22 hours now. It officially has 77,000 likes. Damn, dude. Yeah, right. I mean, look, the guy looks interesting. Like we said, former Olympian bronze. Uh, bronze in the world games too in this in, in taekwondo. Uh, look, I mean, if he could develop himself, especially in heavyweight, it wouldn't take very long for him to become very, you know, reach a high level. So if he has, you know, if he has a skill set, then yeah, he'll. I think he can make it pretty far. I'm definitely very interested to see who they throw at first, like who his first matchup is going to be, because, I mean, I mean, only four fights, Josh, and literally seconds of cage time with no sort of grappling. That's you know that's a bit iffy once he reaches a high level. Mm. Yeah, and and 
it's going to be interesting to see how he does at the top level. I mean, we really don't know much about this guy. I mean, we know we know a couple things, right? We know his background. We know that he's ridiculous. He's a massive human being. Um, and you and I, I think, talked about this in the green room a little bit. Basically, know nothing about his ground game, his wrestling, so on and so forth. But, dude, in terms of UC prospects, I'm happy they signed him, mainly because he's 35 years old. He's kind of – you got if you're going to pull a trigger on somebody like this, you got to fucking do it now. So – I'm excited to see that they signed him, and based off of, like, obviously, I saw... This guy first, has a touch of death, dude. Yeah, I saw the first knockout on Twitter, and I'm like, oh, who the fuck is this guy? So I went and looked up his highlight reel, and it's just, oh, he does that to everybody. So it's like... <laughs> yeah. I mean, dude, he's had three wins. His last three wins came inside of 17 seconds combined. That's not something that happens, so... Yeah, I'm happy they signed him. It remains to be seen how good he'll actually be, but fuck, dude, you got to sign guys like this sometimes. There's some guys who just become inevitable, and this guy looks inevitable. So I'm happy they did it, man. Mm-hmm. Um, who do you want to see him fight first? Literally, do you, do you it, want to push it, him fast or do you want to push him slow? Uh, Slow, but I want to literally see him be active and literally fight anybody because you know he can make fast turnarounds. I, okay, I'll actually I'll ask you this question. Over or under? Two UFC fights until he faces Andre Arlovsky. Over. You take the over on that one. Yeah. I think I think he may face Arlovsky in his second UFC fight. I could see <laughs> shit like that. I could you see know, some you, shit you know, like you, that. You know what you should have done? Like ranked opponent. <laughs> that would have been better. Well, maybe, but you know, it is. I mean, Andre Arlovsky's still ranked though, right? So. No, I don't think Arlovsky's ranked anymore. I don't think they ranked him whenever he had that like six fight winning streak he had. I guess you're right. I didn't even think about that. Now they're having to fight Waldo Cortez Acosta in January. Jesus. But no, look, that, that should have been the real question. You should have been like over or under two fights before he's raided the UFC. I'd probably still say, <laughs> I'd probably still say over. Yeah, same. Uh, but they just use Arlovsky as the litmus test guy, so that's over just why I was saying him. Um, I mean, look, if Mar- Marcus Rodriguez the limit could be 15, I mean, this guy could definitely get to 15, so. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Um, this is, is going to be, I mean, unless you have any closing thoughts, this is going to be our last uh, our last topic of the day. Um, because I think this one's interesting. And, you know, something we've, we've talked about many times on the show is the UFC's antitrust lawsuit. There is a lot of, um, you know, okay. there's, some, there's some interesting stuff that's come out via discovery in this lawsuit. And I sent some of, I sent some of it to Angel this morning. I don't understand how... I mean, I'll give MMA media who are controlled. I mean, they're controlled by the UFC, so that's why they're not covering it. But I'll give them tons of credit. I mean, there many people don't even know that this shit's going on. And even if you know that it's going on, you probably didn't know about the emails and a lot of the stuff that's come out in Discovery. Um, the UFC team, specifically Dana White, Lorenzo Petita, Joe Silva, multiple emails were leaked in which they talk about, like, word for word, you know. We need to send him a letter referring to John Jones formally offering the Gustafson fight and giving him a specific deadline to accept or reject. When he says no, we need to extend him, essentially adding in the champions clause and other clauses that essentially the UC can try and extend your contract at any time, which is why the biggest names never can leave the UFC. That's why Ngannou is the first major name in 20 years, a champion, to leave the UFC. You know, um, you could find Walid Ishmael. Who is Walid Ishmael? He's one of the highest profile managers for the UFC. Uh, he's a Brazilian. He's formerly re- represented Paulo Costa, Davison Figueroa, a couple others. Uh, he, 
also works for Jungle Fight. You can find emails in there where he he's talking about guys. I believe. Let me see the exact fighter he's referring to. I don't want to fuck it up. Just just a smaller guy, Cesar Gonzalez, said that he fought with Jungle FC a year ago. Doesn't remember if he signed a contract or not. Then they got in contact with Walid, and he said if he he was with us, he's no longer with us. You guys can sign him. <laughs> you know. Um, you can find Joe Silva talk about how he purposely lowballed uh, Nate Diaz, purposely lowballing him on purpose, knowing they would turn it down. They turned it down and put him in a prelim against a really tough guy for his last fight. So just a couple of emails that have come out. Um, Angel, I know you probably don't have. I mean, what do you do? You, I'm I'm not sure how much you have to add to this. Because obviously, I'm kind of been the guy taking more of a the leading front on this on this stance. But seeing some of those emails and some of the stuff that's come out, what do you think, man? Look, I, I think it's wildly interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you, you showed me this information because look, uh, I can't wait to go down the rabbit hole in my free time here soon. But, um, no, I mean, some of it is, look, it's not shocking. It's like, we knew some of this stuff was going on, but now seeing it and having like the literal evidence, you know, is like, like even, it's wild. It's crazy. You know, it's so weird because I never thought I would ever have access to these, this kind of information, these kind of emails and the fact that, and it's really things that, didn't even think about and like things that don't make the UFC seem very good or look like good guys at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we've kind of known that a lot of this and look, there's still so much more that's going to come out. Like we are literally just scratching the surface. So this is just discovery. We're just starting this right at the same time, man. I don't understand how people defend it. Um, it's one thing to to hear stories and to kind of have an idea because like there's nothing that UFC does that like surprise, surprises me, right? Um, mm-hmm. Really, nothing. And in terms of some of the numbers that came out, like oh, you know, Lorenzo Fatita and you know Dana White, let me the, the Fertitta brothers and Dana White made four times, you know, what fighters did combined over the span of, you know, their entire time owning the, owning the company. It's like, yeah, no shit. Like that. I'm not surprised at all about that. They're, they're very money hungry. They so on and so forth. They're not going to pick fighters shit. This is, it's still interesting to see in, in like to see the way that they internally talked about some of these guys. And like in, in one of the, the emails, they talk about how they wanted to cut a uh, little nog. They were going to release Little Nog. They wanted to release him, but, you know, oh, we can't let him go to Bellator, so we'll keep him, you know? Like, uh, it's he's going to fight Bader. It explicitly he said because he would fight Ryan Bader, too, which is even wilder that they would even, like, add something like that in there, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So it's it's very interesting. I would encourage people to read it um, because at a certain point, like, I understand that there's only so much of it that is surprising, but at the same time, like – People need to know, man. I just wish people know. And I wish people cared, too, because, look, man, people need to understand how much – like, here's the thing. I don't think I would care as much if I would not – if I had not been watching the UFC product be getting worse and worse and worse year after year. Like, that's not to say that fight cards aren't incredible. Like, we have incredible fight cards, right? Like, UFC Austin. Yeah, of course, UFC Austin last week. But then, like – is there anybody that denies like the UFC product over the last five years has gotten over like standardly just overall worse? It just feels like it's been watered down. They, they've cut a bunch of fighters who are actually interesting. They're just bringing in guys from the contender series who it doesn't really matter if they're good or not because they're only going to last four fights anyway. You know, it doesn't really matter. They're just churn- bringing them in, churning them out, bringing them in, churning them out. It doesn't fucking matter, you know? 
So I think admittedly I probably have my own biases at the same point. But still, to look at these guys and, and to see some of the emails, see some of the way they speak about these fighters, and to kind of just have confirmation that like, yeah, they 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 for like they know what they're doing. You know, I mean, we already knew that they knew what they were doing, but still, just the detest the way that they detest their own talent is just uh, it's just it's just odd to me. It's just odd to me. But um, yeah, I mean, it's another thing coming out. And Dana White on Saturday night was asked about the PFL and Bellator merging. And I don't have the exact quote, but he said something along the lines of one shitty company uh, buying another shitty company, um, which I found interesting, considering that you're in a lawsuit about being a monopoly. <laughs> that you talk, you, you say that. But, you know, look, I mean, I don't have anything else to add, man. But, uh, yeah, any any closing thoughts on this? Any any Anything else we talk about, man? No, I mean, like, every time we bring any, like, any of this up, Josh – I'm always so interested because it's getting so much more juicier and better and and more drama. Honestly, I can't help it, dude. It's like a soap opera in front of my eyes. I'll be honest. It really is, dude. And and the craziest thing is that people, I say people, just like are there really people though? Yeah. <laughs> huh? Can you really call them people though? Come on. <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, just just MMA media not talking about it. it's the biggest story in MMA right now. I mean, we are three months away. From the sport potentially being turned on its head, depending on how that fucking lawsuit goes. And I don't even think most people know that it's happening. So it's like, damn, dude. Um, why, why do you think some of the big guys are uncovering this? I'm talking about like guys like Errol Hawani, uh, the, the Luke Thomas of the world. Like they'll mention it, but it's not to the extent that I would hope to. Especially those guys, because I feel like those guys genuinely care about the sport. Like they're genuinely passionate. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I'd say it's probably like a mix of things. I think one, it's not, it's just not very profitable or interesting. I could tell you, and I could tell people from my work doing, um, you know, doing media work and getting to see some of the numbers on some of the stuff I've written about. Um, nobody gives a fuck about this. I don't know why. To me, it's incredibly interesting that the sport might be turned upside down in, in a couple a couple of months, and we're seeing these internal emails from the UFC, and we're learning all this stuff. But a lot of people just care about fighting, and so it's very hard to make people care about non-fighting. So, um, yeah, man, very very interesting. I I don't I don't know where we'll go from here, and I don't know why more people don't talk about it. I honestly I I honestly have no idea. I know why some don't because they're they're bought and paid for. You know, I'm very well aware of that in this in this current media ecosystem that we have for because like the UFC already detests media so bad. That's why they're bringing in people like uh, Nina. I can't think of her fucking name, but they're bringing her in. Yeah, they're bringing her in exclusively to do interviews. And she's like, oh, you know, MMA media just sucks. You know, it's like, no, bitch, you're not media. You just work for the UFC. That's not what media is like. They want their own internal media, so that's why Dana doesn't give many interviews anymore. That's why they have all these fighters getting interviewed by the same three to four people, um, and they don't care because they're being paid. In terms of guys like Holwani and Luke Thomas and them, it's just not profitable. So it's a kind of a bad situation in where, yeah, you know, where they they just rather talk about the fights and stuff like that and big yeah. stuff. Yeah, and if anything does happen or go down with the UFC, obviously they'll bring it up. But when it's finally you know major and said and done. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just, it's unfortunate that it doesn't get that it does not get more coverage. It should. But uh, look, man. I mean, there's only so long they can avoid it. 
Because unless, I mean, more than likely, I really don't see a way in which the fighters settle. And I also don't think there's a way in which the USC settles. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, we're going to more than likely go to trial. And at which point, I don't know how they wouldn't talk about it. Especially considering the USC traditionally gets hotter throughout the year. I mean, what, what's going down in March? Not not UC 300, UC 300s uh, the following month, I believe. Um I don't know. It's it just it's just interesting. It's just interesting to me. But look, man. Um, any any closing thoughts? Anything else we talk about before we go to move on? No, nothing specifically, man. I'm 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 happy but sad at the same time. We get to come back next week and talk about the last card of the year, the last pay per view, 2023. Uh, we finally get to see Leon Edwards return against Colby Covington, though. So that's kind of you know, I'm not you know I'm not gonna get into it. But <laughs> regardless, I'll be here and I'll talk about it and. Uh, I can't wait to recap this week, man, too, whenever we get to next week. Of course, of course. And if you guys enjoyed the show, feel free to go ahead and uh, follow us. I'm at Josh Shimon off on Twitter. He's at Andrew Ortega underscore 01. At Quartzite Town for all things relating to the show. Uh, looking to get 1,300 uh, subscribers. So help us help us get there, fellas. Uh, we're, we're, we're pretty close. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's all I got, man. That's all I got. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed. Peace and butt grease. Mouse click.